welcome to the second episode of Fitness Unfiltered. I'm Jocelyn Thompson Rule, and on today's show, I am speaking with the lovely Keris Marsden of Fitter Food. Now, Keris is a nutritional therapist and actually lectures in nutritional therapy as well, so she really, really knows her stuff. So, on the show, we talk about hormones, intermittent fasting, staying healthy in a big city, and we also touch a little bit upon body image too. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, trial number two. Let's let's hope it works this time. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for giving me your time again to hopefully discuss successfully health, hormones, and fitness, and and all the good stuff in between. So I'm going to let you just introduce yourself. Just tell people who you are, what you do, and then we'll go from there. We should say, really, everyone missed out because the last talk was amazing. Like <laughs> it was only me and you that got to him. That's that's flipping award-winning shit that is <laughs> and I was like I was so depressed anyway it's cool that's what happened <laughs> do you find the one thing I find is I'm just so passionate about health and fitness technology kills me like it's literally the biggest stress in my life is technology like <laughs> anyway yeah yeah it's cool um okay <laughs> Well, thank you. Uh, thank you anyway for um, getting me on here. And uh, likewise, I'd love to get you on Fit of Food page because we love all the stuff that you do. You're a huge inspiration to me. Watch all your kind of training stuff on Instagram and obviously, you know, come to all your events and stuff and talk and listen to you. So yeah, thank you for having me. I suppose my background is basically, I actually started out, I, kind of, I suppose my interest in kind of nutrition really started out when I worked in the food industry and I was working for a trade union for hotels, restaurants and caterers who were kind of under increasing pressure to do stuff along the lines of public health. So a lot of uh, restaurant chains got told to kind of do calories on menu or look at healthy options, you know, because of the obesity crisis. So my company sponsored me to do a master's in it was public health nutrition, which was amazing. And I kind of um, started to basically enjoy that more than my job. <laughs> so the days when I was at university, I was like, I love this. You know, I could really, I could see myself doing this. That kind of was the start of me loving studying nutrition. In the background, I've always been interested in training, just kind of doing it for my own. I started when I was at university, started running amazing kind of of transformation in terms of my confidence, my mood, lost the weight that everyone gains when they go to university. And from then on, I was kind of hooked and just started trying loads of different stuff. So it all kind of came together when I had finished my master's in public health and thought, actually, you know, why don't I consider actually, and my partner, Matt, was a big influence on this launching a, and we could becoming a personal trainer. So yeah. I did that in my spare time. And then again, just kind of, you know, you get that gut feeling where you're like, I'm loving the and loving the time I spend in the gym way more than my office job. So I transitioned over. And together with Matt, I launched, we launched a company together called Fitter London, which was mainly training. And then after that, I've been running for a couple of years. I, uh, it was a couple of things really that kickstarted it. I went to do a course with Charles Poliquin called Biosignature, which you know of, which is all about kind of nutrition and hormones and supplements and kind of based on a bit of functional medicine. So I learned a huge amount about, you know, what was the potential that nutrition could have when it comes to the female body and balancing hormones. And, and my mind was blown, but I came home and thought, I, I, I feel like I've just scratched the surface. You know, like I, I really don't feel confident in a lot of the things that you know, I think could be beneficial. So using supplements, for example, I didn't feel like I had the, the background knowledge. And then around the time my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I actually took her to, it was a nutrition talk by Yes to Life, who do amazing talks with people with cancer about what they can do, with their, you know, kind of in terms of foods that they can eat to help support their treatment and prevent cancer. And also things they can do with um, kind of environment. So natural skincare, removing toxic products from the household. And right. the person who gave the lecture was from the College of Naturopathic Medicine. So I just loved listening to her speak and said, where did you study? I want to do what you do. And uh, she does. I feel when I hear you talk about health and hormones, I'm like, wow. Yeah, go on, sorry. As I say this actually because I, I now lecture there, like I've gone back five years later after practicing, I lecture there and they say, you know, oh gosh, it feels like there's so much to learn and, and you're so far ahead of us. And, and I, that never changes. I look forward at other people you know, who are kind of really more, more maybe kind of biochemistry based, technical based. And I'm like, I want to know what you know. So you always, that never changes, but it doesn't for you either. You know, like, whether that's training, yoga, you know, like what I know yeah. about nutrition, how much I can cook, like, <laughs> you know, all of that. I think it's, you get better at just going, yeah, but I've done some cool stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm on that journey and acknowledging your strengths 
rather than just feeling like it's so far away. So um, yeah. yeah, so that's where I am currently. And I think I'm probably more in the kind of nutrition. I still love training, I do yoga and yeah. stuff, just uh, qualified as a yoga teacher, but um, I call myself an unlikely yogi because <laughs> I'd rather run still and do loads of weights. Than... <laughs> but I do love it. It's just, uh, it's just, it's like, I don't know. I'm not your typical yogi. I think I get in class and then start doing loads of press ups. And everyone's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Where's your zen, babes? Yeah, basically. Oh, it's so breathing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I am now. And trying to, the main thing that I'm really passionate about at the moment, we write lots of books of his food, is, is education. Because for, for me, education was empowering. It freed me from a lot of kind of dogma that I was following, a lot of, you know, the, the kind of prescription that we have thrown at us when it comes to diet and what we should be doing and detoxing and all this stuff that kind of should do you, know, you should do this, you shouldn't do that. It was all removed when I educated myself and learned about the body, learned about metabolism, learned about, you know, what does our body need to function, thrive, to have lots of, you know, healthy balance of brain chemicals and energy and not be prone to mood swings and you know, energy crashes, that kind of stuff. So uh, that's like an ongoing thing for me that I just want to educate other women, uh, especially because I think we're more vulnerable, you know, what we can do, what we can put in place. So, oh, yeah, yeah, amazing. <laughs> And yeah, your your books. I have both. Well, I have. You've got two books, right? You don't have. You haven't, you haven't done any more that I've not managed to sneak into the. Only in my head. It's there in my head. <laughs> I just I'm yeah, and, it. <laughs> and yeah, those those your books are just because it's it's basically for those of you that don't have any of the fit of food books. They're recipe books with absolutely delicious recipes in there. It's so delicious. Oh. But the particularly, I think the first one, the first half of the book is just a lot of information about health, about kind of recognizing, uh, you know, different kind of things in your own health, but written in such an easy way to follow that you don't have to be super sciencey or, or anything like that. You can really, really understand it. So I just, I just love that you actually put the, the two things together. You, you often either get a health book or you'll get like a, a food book and actually you've put you've you've written the the whys down and that then kind of like the how-to with the recipe which is fantastic so and um, buy their books everyone we'll put that up um, a little bit later on in the notes so you spoke and this is something that I'm definitely finding now so I've been kind of I guess in the industry for about 14 15 years now and I'm slowly kind of much like yourself kind of veering more towards the kind of I guess, I suppose, supporting women a little bit more in, in, again, education. And that's, and this is something we were talking about before that we, I think we've both really found that our, our true kind of passion in this sphere is actually education and getting as much information out as possible because it's, there's so much and no one knows what to do. Not no one knows what to do, but a lot of people are just like, there's so much information. I don't even know where to start. And one thing, I always think is like the more information that you have about yourself for yourself, the kind of the more empowering that is for you to then kind of move forward with that information. So I guess from a, from a, a female perspective, then what do you, I mean, what are I, what are, I mean, I know you get a ton of different people that you, that you treat, but what do you think are really kind of common areas that people, that women will come to you for help with? in terms of their nutrition or their hormones or whatever it is? What do, what do you find is quite a common theme, I guess, amongst, I guess, in our modern day lives that you have to try and kind of fix and sort out? So, so one thing that's, I suppose, again, because I have a health history of this, that, that kind of overrides everything is digestive issues. So gut health is, thank, thank goodness, it's kind of coming up the charts a little bit and um, it's getting a little bit more exposure in, in mainstream media and on TV, which is amazing. And so some people come, women, both men and women come to me because they have digestive issues. They're kind of aware of that. I had a long history of, of I was just diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome, which is basically, we don't really know what it is, but it's not celiac and it's not an inflammatory bowel disease. So you get that IBS diagnosis, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, the, the default thing if they, if they can't figure it out. And you get yeah. told to take antispasmodics and things like that. But I actually had amazing success, again, through education, through, as I work with some practitioners, and now it's what I do with people using things like antimicrobials, probiotics, so things like oregano and garlic and certain doses, really fixing my gut. And, and exercise was a big part of that, actually. I had to rein in exercise, uh, which was contributing to some of my symptoms. So most people who train a lot get gut issues off the back of that. But stress and antibiotic use for acne as a teenager, some of the things led into it as well. 
how long were you how long did you have this for like so you said uh, as so from a te when you were a teenager as well you were suffering with this as well oh no so, so as a teenager i had acne um and they gave me about 18 months worth of antibiotics and creams and everything to try and treat it and then from there they just kind of said pill so another reason i know a lot about hormones is because the pill was my solution to my acne but that caused a load of hormone issues so I, a lot of women get put on dianet or um some there's some others but basically an anti-androgen pill to suppress the testosterone to clear the skin and yeah. it did clear the skin but at the same time i noticed i mean i was at university so it's a bit like you know that could that was obviously a factor as well eating a different diet um i gained a lot of weight so i gained i went from about kind of i used to be around you know seven and a half stone and it could be what i liked and i mean like boost bars on the way to school like sausage roll on the way home I was literally like I couldn't put weight on as soon as I went on this hill it was like suddenly like on two stone and as a student I was like I actually can't afford to put on any more weight because I can't afford to keep buying more clothes and that's when I kick-started the running and but the amazing thing is in that situation they told me I could only take that pill for about 18 months and I used to beg to stay on it I go back to my doctor and say don't ever take me off this pill because I hate the acne was so like kind of soul destroying for your confidence and I was teased yeah. and I was just it used to give me like anxiety and so I was like please don't take me off it like it but yeah so when you look back then I was kind of fighting to be on this this really heavy pill in terms of suppression of testosterone and it's a combined pill with estrogen so I shouldn't have really been on that my mum had breast cancer and so when I look back now my mum had breast cancer and that that's not really wise but yeah so I when I was taken off that pill acne returned and this time I was diagnosed in my 20s with polycystic ovarian syndrome so yeah uh, and that kind of is the reason I know a little bit more about that and that's very common post pill but then you kind of think well I had it prior to going on the pills I had the acne so maybe I had it and just wasn't diagnosed um, and that's something I see a lot of women with uh, that so same thing either hormone issues generally where they've got the kind of bad skin around the cycle and just general issues around a menstrual cycle so PMS or, or fibroids that kind of thing or they've actually been told they have PCOS. Yeah. The final thing I'd say is thyroid issues is now increasing. In the last, I'd say, uh, I had a lot of cases when I first graduated. So it was a real baptism of fire to kind of, okay, I need to get my head around thyroid. Now, yeah. more than ever, there's so many. A lot of, I'd say, uh, women in their 40s, 50s, huge amounts, of big, a significant part of the portion of the population is now on thyroid medication. With yeah, no one yeah. ever trying to address the, the why, which is what you kind of highlighted. I'm a bit, you know, obsessed with the why. It's like, a, you know, and dig deep and find is it with hormones i always say to my clients we have to find out is it a production issue is it a conversion issue or is it a competition issue between different hormones or a detoxification issue and there is a, so much you can do with nutrition and lifestyle and um, sometimes targeted supplements just address all of those factors and yeah it's not something that what i really want to emphasize is any of those symptoms i just talked about ibs worse Hashimoto's thyroid, low thyroid function is not something that you have to suffer with. Yet that's yeah, that's what you're told. You know, you have this, and and so um, what kind of? So you were saying that that can be treated with kind of, I guess, lifestyle changes and 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 changes to your food and so on and so forth. As a, to, to generalize, and I know that so much of this is so specific, but what kind of uh, maybe what what three things could we do to sort of look after our hormones as best as we can? You know, it's funny. I have, I have three main interventions. That's good that you said three because I know you're expecting me to say like three easy steps. I'm not going to say three easy steps, but I will say three areas that you cover are yeah. the digestive health, which is I'm going to say that then. I'm going to say gut health. Your gut health would be number one, and I'll, I'll talk through a couple of things you could do. Number two would be looking at inflammation in the body, so like an anti-inflammatory approach. This is where we see like increasing your omega-3 intake and you know look at inflammatory processes like stress lack of sleep you know kind of just burning the candle at both ends all of those yeah. things so having a more anti-inflammatory approach to both your nutrition and lifestyle and then thirdly balancing your blood sugars which is so boring when you kind of like when you're studying nutrition you just hear that over and over again but insulin yeah. the hormone is, is your it's kind of some people call it the master hormone it affects yeah. every single process in the body so yeah. actually good blood sugar regulation and, and kind of, you know, being able to stick to three meals a day, not snacking, you know, that kind of stuff. But also insulin is dysregulated again by stress, lack of sleep, other stuff. So looking after yeah. blood sugar is, but those three areas are where I always focus my kind of interventions. And then, as you said, it's kind of specific to the client, but for the gut, it could be an elimination diet, 
making sure the bowels are moving. If there is any kind of dysfunction, we address it, probiotics, or again, I use a lot of antimicrobials. Like I said, for the anti-inflammatories, do we need to get your oily fish up? Maybe use some good quality supplements, fish oils, that kind of thing. And, you know, look at your lifestyle as a whole. There's some really easy stuff that we could do that, that will help lower inflammation in the body, like walk barefoot. Yeah, people look at you funny if you think that. Because a lot of the body, in terms of the physiology, is run on kind of different electrical charges. And actually, yeah. the way that we walk around exposing ourselves to a lot of electromagnetic frequencies and we've got kind of, you know, like, rubber, rubber soled shoes on. So there's, yeah. we need to have contact, have contact with the earth. It's called earth. Yeah. But some of these things are really anti-inflammatory. Like a holiday is the most anti-inflammatory thing you can do. Barefoot, yeah. sea swimming, done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We walk along the beach barefoot. We're going to Australia in a few months, so <laughs> I was gonna say, when was your last holiday? Because that's like a yeah, a long time. Um, when was it? When did we last go away? We were in Greece in September actually for a wedding, which was lovely. Okay, that so, was yeah. actually where we were. I would go back there again. That place, Evia, which is which is the second largest island after Rhodes, I think, off Greece. When I got there, I was instantly instantly relaxed oh, it was crazy it was just such a beautiful place and space and i just felt so chilled and i was even i was kind of i had to do quite a bit of work whilst i was there but i just had my laptop there and i was just typing away and it was i was just so calm i just absolutely loved it so it just had just a really good kind of feel about it so yeah that's my place to go to if i'm feeling stressed <laughs> i think everyone should have like a you know I mean, I mean, everyone should have regular holidays, honest to God. It's, but I always think if you could have, if you could have a home abroad and a home, you know, a second home abroad, that's the dream. <laughs> at least solve a lot of your health problems, put it that way. <laughs> go and get a second home abroad or go and get longer holidays, spend, spend it on longer holidays and you'll probably feel better. Yeah. 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 So just, just, just basically time out from the rat race kind of thing. Yeah, but also that environment. So, you know, like I said, just more sunshine, uh, sea swimming, amazing for health, all those kind of things. So so there's loads of kind of cases of you know, chronic diseases, chronic fatigue, all those kind of things when people go on holiday and have all their symptoms resolved by, again, eating a nutritious diet. But yeah, there's loads of ways to kind of have that, that anti-inflammatory effect. And same for yeah. blood sugars. So I, again, I'd imagine this is what you're doing, you know, with any client that you work with, it's kind of looking at, you know, healthy healthy carbs, um, significant, well, enough protein, healthy fats, fiber each meal, not eating all the time. Yeah, look at calories. But similarly, one thing that people forget is, you know, that there's internal production of, of glucose if we are stressed, if we are, you know, if we have an infection, if we have, if we are inflamed. So we also have to look at, again, anti-inflammatory and supporting, supporting the immune system and things like that. So, but yeah, there's the kind of three areas that I tend to focus on if possible. Okay, when you're doing that. Okay, cool. I'm just going to make sure that we're still very much <laughs> popped, off, popped off my screen for a sec okay and this is something that we, we spoke about before which I thought was just really really interesting was the whole intermittent fasting is quite a popular thing now and it's it's you know in in various sort of different states of how to do it like the 5-2 and lots of kind of different windows talk to me a little bit about intermittent fasting what I find really interesting is also your ideas around spacing between meals as well yeah so, so uh, like you when this all kind of came out I was more I'd say kind of working as a personal trainer so more in the fitness industry and I started to dabble I was only just kind of doing my nutritional therapy stuff just started out and I kind of experimented with it and what I found with I'm seeing this happen over time is it's, it's, it's again it's become very prescriptive so I don't know if you probably I'm sure you've experimented as well is it's something you find yourself trying to fast on days trying to follow the recommended pattern and it's like but actually I'm hungry or actually I'm really moody today I'm a bit cranky and this is your budget is going really low and, and possibly you know you're kind of ignoring feedback because you're trying to follow a protocol that's not necessarily yeah. right for you at that time so yeah. when you saw like five two come out and then it was fast every other day and then it was fast once a week and then it was fasting mimicking diets I get like oh for goodness sake because for me where I start with a client is we definitely do need to fast that's really important it's important for sugar regulation for the gut to run a bit of a cleansing wave and get ready for the next meal it's important for immune function and yeah. especially overnight so there's tons of studies now saying around 12 uh, maybe even better 13 hours overnight is associated with a decreased risk of things like cancer and other chronic diseases so yeah. what i do is start overnight as well rather than yeah absolutely. you're going to be sleeping hopefully for most of that and then a couple of hours either side shouldn't be too bad 
No, exactly. So it's just a case of creep dinner a little bit earlier and then take breakfast a bit later and don't yeah. sweat it if you can't. That's a really, because then I get, you know, otherwise people would kind of say, but I got home really late. I had to have dinner. Um, yeah, yeah. They're stressing so about that. trying to make them healthier, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, basically. And, and the stress of, of uh, feeling guilty about not being able to follow something that's been recommended to you does you way more harm than not following the advice. Like it really does. So yeah. I get people to look at their overnight, um, you know, uh, try and increase the overnight fast, first of all, as often as they can. And then also increasing the gaps between meals from, most people are kind of aware that it should be two to three hours, but creeping that up to about four, sometimes yeah. five, if you have a substantial meal. And yeah. I find a lot of uh, my female clients, and I definitely did this for years, have very kind of light meals, and then spend the next yeah. two hours looking for a snack or sugar, or like, oh, what's next? You know, they don't- Yeah, they're like, well, I have a really light, light lunch, so that's, that, that's my lunch, and that's the thing that's gonna get me the body that I want, but actually I'm gonna be snacking an hour later, and I'm just gonna, oh, I'm just gonna have this, and yeah, it's like, just have a, have a, have a big lunch, babes, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> so in a way and there is this element of like post meal you kind of need a bit of distraction sometimes like because it is just a habit as well we get that craving after a meal I still get that yeah. I find like a quick walk or something like that or I'll have some dark chocolate and try and just you know so it's a good thing that's you know it's a healthy food in my opinion <laughs> so uh, yeah I get people to try and creep that up from uh, maybe from three to four to five by making their meals more substantial making sure there's a good amount of protein you know, like I've just said, some healthy fats and some and plenty of fiber, so more veg, low sugar fruits, that kind of stuff, some good good carbs, be it brown rice, quinoa, sweet potatoes, white potatoes. Yeah. And then kind of uh, bringing down the flour and refined foods and, and that kind of stuff helps in terms of cravings and, and uh, things between meals. And one thing that yeah. people often miss is liquid calories. So we've got this kind of culture of lattes and cappuccinos yeah. and, you know, coffee, coffee and, and, yeah. It's not coffee, by the way, it's just red bush tea. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> this is I'm trying to break up my relationship with caffeine. <laughs> a little bit's fine. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna like. I never. It's funny when we started out. We used to do some meal. We do like uh, online plans, and we. I used to be like, we'll go caffeine free, and then over time, I've been like, no, we'll leave caffeine. In, it's fine. Leave <laughs> <laughs> that little fella in. He's quite handy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You you uh, used it. Why why is it good for people to 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 space that many hours in between their meals? What's the purpose of that? So again, a couple of things really. So one would be so the gut then can get the bacteria ready for the next meal and digestively. We don't want to be overwhelming the digestive system. This is where things like IBS often start to occur. Is because we've got this kind of snacking, this grazing, these liquid calories. But you're also that means you're constantly elevating the hormone insulin. And the way, a really simple way of looking at this is insulin is kind of your storage, your building hormone, where we're kind of shoving nutrients away into the cells or into the muscles, whatever it might be. Whereas we want periods of time where we have other hormones present and they can only be present if insulin comes down. So you yeah. have a hormone called glucagon, which is when glucose is gone. And then its job is to start breaking down, you know, various bits of, you know, might be stored body fat, it might be, uh, might, might want to make some new glucose, break down glycogen, for example. And we are always meant to think about kind of caveman times, whatever. We had periods where we're not eating, periods where we're eating. And, you know, like converting our food into energy is, so one, it's going to help from an energy regulation perspective in terms of, you know, keeping us healthy in terms of our total calorie intake. We're not going to overdo it. Yeah. But also in the, the body needs periods of time where it can work on things like detoxification, uh, immune health. It's kind of having a bit of a spring clean. It doesn't always yeah. want to be converting food into energy, which it will do if you're always yeah. taking your calories and always elevating insulin. Yeah, it is, an, and it's a kind of, it is a bit of a lost art because we've become, like I said, this kind of nation of grazers and snackers and yeah. kind of lost that ability to go. And if you if you have enough at a meal time and you have good micronutrient status, B vitamins, zinc, magnesium, you should be yeah. able to go four to five hours. And actually, you know, loads of us hit the gym and came the gym, you know, I don't know, like an hour a day, whatever, trying to burn fat when actually, our bodies could do this very naturally if we just yeah, yeah. a little bit more. A little chance, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it's always, for, for so many people still, despite, you know, and again, it's just that whole thing, we, we continue to have more and more information. A lot of things also stay the same, like for, for me, from a, a strength training perspective, like what's worked has always worked. There's not that much kind of new stuff. 
but because of the industry that we're in, we want to always repackage it as something new because that's what people want to hear because they want the magic pill that they can take in a second that's going to make all the difference. And they don't want to do the unsexy stuff and the boring stuff and the non-Instagrammable stuff. So, so just, yes, just spreading out the, the, the time in between your meals will just allow your body to then do the other stuff that it, it wants to do and actually will probably bring you some of the results that you're looking for by going crazy in the gym that you don't necessarily need to do either. Absolutely. And occasionally, if you've got good energy regulation, so again, this is also one thing I'm really passionate about getting women to understand is it's about a really good micronutrient status in the body. So that is your B vitamins, your zinc, your magnesium, copper, iron, everything is so important for that. And so all this dieting and taking out foods and restriction and starvation has a huge impact on your metabolism, actually inhibits your ability to, you know, kind of I wouldn't say lose weight because obviously if you don't eat anything, you're going to lose weight like that. You know, yeah. as in if you starve yourself, you will lose weight. But what will happen is as soon as you start eating again, it's the problem with these really low calorie diets is your metabolism is, is slightly buggered and therefore it can't regulate the energy and you can, you can end up storing weight, uh, storing fat a lot more because the body's almost going, well, that was a panicky situation. We were you know, almost in starvation. I'm going to store loads of body fat. Um, but again, we just deprive ourselves of these micronutrients and again if someone had got hold of me in my 20s my my entire 20s to 30s would have been so much easier and said you know eat nutritiously <laughs> I did genuinely feel like I gained weight easily which I likely did because I ate all the wrong foods I was constantly dieting and depriving and eliminating other stuff so yeah 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 and that's it like I, I, I told you the story before I don't know maybe maybe it was six or seven years ago my training was going really well. I was eating really well. I was feeling really good. Everything was cool. And then I had an assessment done by a guy who was working on some various hormonal things. And uh, he told me that my estrogen was too high. And he was just new into what he was doing. So he was learning. I was his guinea pig. That's all cool. And he told me my estrogen was too high and I needed to take these pills to, to you know, bring the, my estrogen levels back down. And it turns out that, yes, my estrogen levels were higher than everything else, but not a cause for, for concern. Anyway, the pills that I took meant that my uh, I stopped menstruating, my period finished. And after, the, after that happened, the first month after that happened, I was kind of like, oh, maybe is it these pills? And he was like, no. And another dude that sort of studied the same thing was saying, no, no, I don't think it's that. Uh, month two comes along, I still didn't have a period. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stop taking these estrogen lowering pills because this is the only thing I've changed. And then it took me, it took a year, a full year before I got my, my period back. And that's just like crazy, you yeah, know, yeah. It, 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 everything was going so well and fine. Again, I was his guinea pig and all love to him because he was kind of studying what he was studying. And, and, and I'm sure now he's, he's knows it so much more and maybe does something different or whatever, but it was just, tweaking things ever so slightly really really messed me up for a year so uh, and I think again like just as as women we just have to be so careful with playing around with all of that kind of stuff so if you've got if there's any like if you if you don't have if, if you're missing your period like that's a cause for concern you know and often you know I remember when we were at university we and I used to row at university and so we trained like sometimes twice a day fairly intensely and we a doctor came in and spoke to us about you know loss of our periods and all that kind of stuff so that whole kind of overtraining piece is kind of like if you're happy with how you look in the mirror but you're missing but you're not getting your monthly cycle then let's ignore what you're seeing in the mirror now because actually inside you're really fucked and let's just fix that for a second shall we you know but yeah. we're again like we're obsessed with kind of what fitness looks like rather than kind of how it feels. And we become so kind of disassociated with what our bodies are telling us, crying out to tell us. And that, you know, as you say, with, with some simple measures, and obviously sometimes also with, with way more complex measures that we can we can fix, which leads me to, I had my bloods done. Yes, and you you're going to have a little look at them for me. <laughs> it's the first time I've had them done. And I think it's like 52 different tests. And they all, to, the, 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 when they were sent back, they said they were all normal. I think my iron was a bit high, but some other iron thing wasn't so high. So that wasn't a problem or whatever. But you and your brain have uh, noticed a few things that I need to pay attention to. So this is, this is the first time I'm hearing this. I hope it's all good. 
<laughs> no, it, no, you are, it is really good. There isn't anything. So they looked at, and these are really valuable tests to have done. So they looked at your red blood cells and your yeah. white blood cells. And the red blood cells in particular can tell you loads about your nutritional status. So often people think about anemia and iron, but actually it's good for looking at things like B12, folate, B6, and zinc. Not a kind of, it's not necessarily a diagnostic tool, but the size of them kind of indicates because certain micronutrients are needed to build them. That actually, yeah. if the size isn't quite right or the color's not quite right, then maybe it's because one of those micronutrients is missing. So it gives you a clue. And then as a nutritional right. therapist, I can then ask, I can go through your food diary and I can also kind of look at things like your skin health or menstrual cycle, whatever, and get some more clues. Yeah. So your red blood cells were looking good. Hemoglobin was probably lower than I'd expect for you because you eat a diet that's kind of, you know, you eat a really nutritious diet. So I yeah. would keep an eye on just things like your B vitamins, your zinc and your magnesium and those kind of things, because you do a lot of exercise and intense exercise. Yeah. That's so generally knowing you and what you do, these are good. Yeah. So normally we see more kind of inflammatory markers high, people that train quite hard and, and yeah. yeah. And, but I must, I must say that what I am coming out of is just actually a period of where I was training probably less, probably from about, I would say July, August, maybe even June, my volume of training, just I just had so much work stuff on that my volume of training was a lot less than than what it would normally be. So I don't know if that if that makes a difference, but maybe more B12, more zinc. So some some uh, sometimes just doing like a depending on your activity level. So if you have like a, if you're going to up your activity a little bit, so for you, you might train twice a day or you just train really intensely. You just keep yeah. an eye on definitely the B vitamins and magnesium and zinc, those three. And it's specifically, it is things like B3, B6, B12, folate, but so a, comp a B complex can be easier than, than kind of trying to dose. Um, yeah. Or you could just start to eat, and I know you eat this uh, anyway, but making sure you have like two servings of liver a week. Yeah, um, which again, I haven't been doing as much as usual. See, see, Karis? No, I've been letting myself go. <laughs> <laughs> it slips from my diet, I have to say. I mean, it's shocking. Yeah. What, I don't know. But it why why can't you not prioritize liver? I don't know. Because it's not exactly yeah. the nice. I don't mind it, but no, it's not the nicest food, is it, really? Like, I'd rather yeah. have <laughs> There are other more tasty things, yes. I actually yeah. don't mind. I quite like I like chicken liver. Okay, so increase the liver, because actually that's another thing I find and have found. And obviously I've got a huge interest in nutrition, but don't don't have the the, the kind of in-depth knowledge that you have but for me actually when I got kind of more interested I guess in kind of like nose to tail eating or whatever and started eating liver I did notice a big difference in sorry to be a bit graphic but just the health of my menstrual cycle it was just like oh it, it was interesting and actually any clients that I had that had any kind of issues that, with their cycle I would say look maybe try liver once or twice a week some of them told me to get lost they weren't going, going to go near it and um, but the ones that did actually notice a difference so yeah so liver is liver is life so i need to get back on the liver okay and you also mentioned something else was creeping uh, my thyroid what you talked about oh, in yeah. the beginning. just on, the, on, the, on that subject i'd say things like uh, so your liver liver dark leafy greens egg yolks and then some good quality seafood are just just when it comes to hormones just kind of they are the superfoods but Dark green leafy yeah. veggies, your kind of kale, spinach, watercress, yeah. broccoli, but again, there's there's a big tendency at the moment towards kind of dropping out animal products. So I often kind of emphasise just source, you know, good animal products. You don't need a lot, but a couple a week in terms of micronutrient status can be transformational. And I also know it's the same as you. I'll go. I I kind of have this tendency. I was I was vegan and vegetarian at university and can can sway that way at times. I suppose my preference. I don't know why is sometimes. I think sometimes it's because I had such a compromised digestive system that I used to find meat very heavy. But yeah. as soon as I make sure I uh, focus on having some liver or having a good steak or you know some grass-fed beef, honestly, energy, everything. And I, yeah, I yeah. Uh, even looked at my blood tests get better, way better when I eat those kind of foods. Yeah. So I think some of this is maybe a bit genetic, but also a bit lifestyle-driven. I am pretty active like you and, and like to do a lot of stuff. So I think I've just got that maybe that raised need. So. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Okay, other than, uh, so yeah, your thyroid isn't bad. Uh, your iron is high. Your serum iron is high, but your iron stores are in the reference range. So your ferritin's in the reference range. 
Okay. You could look at something like there is a transferrin, it's a protein that carries iron, and make sure that that's not too low because that might be why your iron's a bit too high. Okay. It could be a muscle you go off and explore. Uh, but keep your eye on that because iron, one of my biggest bugbears is people who supplement with iron. No, you don't. Right. Women take iron when they feel tired, which is crazy because iron right. is very, it's kind of a pro oxidant in the body, it's, it's highly reactive. So in excess, it's going to add a kind of oxidative damage, it's going to kind of start to damage the cells essentially. So no one should be wow. chugging down iron without knowing their iron status, their ferritin status, their transferrin okay. status. Um, okay. so that's the point for anyone that is doing that. And a heavy cycle yeah. is not a reason to take iron either. You've got to know exactly what you're doing. With that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. But your thyroid and is only just up. So your it's your TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, which is released. Uh, this is coming from the brain. And what happens generally is when the what, cells back. A bit of my brain. <laughs> What's that? Am I missing a bit of my brain? That could be very, <laughs> very weird. <laughs> That, no, no, no. <laughs> no, it's saying uh, your cells are kind of feeding back, possibly, that you they're not receiving enough of the free uh, T3, which is the most active form of thyroid hormone, which this test doesn't measure. You've got um, free T4 on this test. Um, right. And that was in, in range, but there's another conversion after that. So we don't quite right. know what your T3, which acts on the cells, is, is at this point in time. But what uh, the reference range in the doctors is 0 to 5, whereas the kind of more the functional medicine therapeutic reference range is, is 0 to 2, and I don't know what's to do, about slightly higher than that, but, but no higher than 2, and yours is yeah. 2.3. So that might suggest that some of your cells are feeding back, but, and usually this is really common in people that train quite hard or are quite stressed, or there's loads of things that can be, so vitamin D, <laughs> vitamin A, status, zinc, selenium is a big one, so selenium we get from seafood but it's really hard to detect if you get enough because the levels are really kind of just kind of more erratic in different types of seafood and some yeah. people use donuts for selenium but the thing okay. about that it has to be from south america and a lot of brazil nuts now are from china which has no selenium in its soils so uh, nuts south america yeah so taking two of those a day a bit more kind of sardines salmon that kind of stuff so I love sardines and anchovies because they're such a concentrated source of omega-3 yes. and then skin and the bones and everything else. And so you get okay. quite a lot and you'll get some selenium from them. But you might want to take like a good multi and see if that, that improves things. Um, okay. But also things like stress, inflammation, that's going to affect thyroid hormone. And low-calorie diets massively. So Okay. No danger of that. <laughs> I do supplement or I do I do take a multivitamin based on your recommendations uh, from Thorn Research which I've loved because yep. and I actually I read up on your blog about that because I noticed that even though Bjorn is like going to be three in a couple of weeks I noticed that some of my hair was coming out in the shower when I was washing it and I was like oh it's a bit rubbish but I know that that's also a bit of a post-baby thing. But I was like, well, he's three now. Really, Harry? You decided to come out now? But then when I started taking the multivitamin, like a zero, not a sniff, not a strand comes out. So that's been really beneficial for that, I think. Mm -hmm. Really good quality vitamin, but multivitamin. But yeah, maybe I'll, I'll definitely up the selenium to try and sort out the thyroid. Your next two tests that you could do with that is that you could go and get a full thyroid panel done with some of these private okay. companies. Genova, Medichex, Horizon, where they look at a couple of things that would be useful. Get the T3 measured and yeah. reverse T3 measured. Reverse T3 kind of blocks, it's like the brakes on thyroid hormone. And okay. some antibodies looked at. So just check that there's nothing where the immune system is involved in this and has launched some antibodies, which okay. then common with it can be a genetic thing, it can yeah. be stress driven, it can be several things. So just keep an eye on it. It, it might just be you retest it's got back in, you know, it's got to that too. Yeah, but we consider just have a, a you know just consider those things and, and the things like the cod liver oil and the liver and things like that. Vitamin A is really yeah. important for thyroid hormone. It's part of the kind of receptors that listen to the thyroid hormone. So just look at this. Just, just get back on the wagon. I, I I look after Bjorn's food so much now, and he has his liver and his everything. Neglecting yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Three things that will enhance our health whilst living in the city. We, we talked about this last time. I thought they were really good. Say the same yeah. things, please. 
Okay, so yeah, it's quite scary, all the stuff that's coming out about kind of pollution and living in London. And I was there when all this was coming out. So so we did some, some key things. So first is... Okay, how do you guys live in here? Somewhere dwells. Ken. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Nice. You get a whole house out here, Joss. You get a whole house. Yeah. <laughs> you get a garden. Yeah. <laughs> living in like a matchbox like we are for five yeah. million pounds. <laughs> we did for you. <laughs> It's weird, and like you come out, we, we we tried to move out of London once, and it's so addictive living in London. We moved out once, and rented, and we're like, oh my god, we got the shakes, and we were back in like six months. <laughs> like, I remember that you moved to St Albans, didn't you? Was that right? Yeah, we went to the middle of the to start Fun Haven, but it it was just okay. a life, and gyms don't open, people don't go to the gym till like ten o'clock, and like we had to come back and just like literally suck on some exhaust fumes and go. <laughs> it's like, oh, get that condition back into me. <laughs> you, are, you are so spoiled in London, even like health food shops and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Like, know, it's weird because like, you're able to be really healthy, but then the lifestyle is quite fast paced. So it, it also has yeah. a bit of, bit of a, bit of a yeah, 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 so, yeah, three things. Okay, so, so what you can do um, is what we did. So you can have lots of house plants in your house, and there's a book called How to Grow Fresh Air, which basically uh, lists all of them in terms of their ability Ooh. to absorb toxins. Yeah. and then oxygenate the environment and then ease of looking after them which is really important if you kill your house plants like most people do including me yeah so you can get some really lovely house plants that'd yeah. be one you could obviously uh, next up would be kind of like just decrease toxins in your house generally so swapping over to natural products ecova and method that you see in supermarkets yeah um yeah things like charcoal in your water so sticks of charcoal buy a water filter if you've got the funds to do that so then like a reverse osmosis yeah. And so that's a little bit yeah, more yeah. you could sauna water what you would just put it in like what a glass and then it's so like how long you use it for and on amazon you'll see there's these kind of charcoal sticks and they can go in your normal water bottle and and ideally make your water bottle kind of stainless steel or glass or whatever so it's a bit more yeah not plastic but yeah so the charcoal sticks if you just google charcoal sticks amazon you'll see you put it in water and it absorbs a lot of the toxins in there that's another thing mm -hmm. If that was a regular tap water you were drinking, so obviously to try and reduce the use of plastic, you're not buying bottled water, then you're going to have regular tap water and that will cleanse the tap water a bit better. Yeah, but yeah, so just absorb some of the stuff in there that you don't want. Okay. You could sweat, so that's exercise, hot yoga, saunas, infrared saunas, if you've kind of got that available to you, all amazing in terms of just getting rid of, um, you know, getting rid of toxins. What else? You could travel. When you travel, try not to walk on the kind of the main busy roads. Loads of studies have been done on this. And uh, trees provide like a canopy of some kind of pollution. And obviously there's oxygen from the trees. So if you can take yeah. an alternative route, back street, walk through a park, on your way to work, do that. Because you still need to, like I'm a big fan of getting into the tube and walking, but obviously try and do it along the river or try and do it along. Well, it's a little bit kind of not the main roads, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. And then you mentioned, I think, another salt. Did you mention a salt lamp before? Yeah, you've got um, salt lamps. Uh, so salt lamps are, again, they help to kind of like ionize the air. So they help with, again, just, just if you have breathing issues, if you're kind of prone to, you know, asthma, any respiratory issues. Yeah. Um, and they, yeah. you have to kind of, like, of course, but yeah, a salt lamp is quite nice to have. And also it's in the evening, it's nice to have a little orange glow and not kind of have bright lights on. That's good for sleep hormones. Yeah. Kind of stuff. So it creates that cozy yeah. environment as well. Yeah. Yeah. And is that like, so with it, just so I know, so I'm not a so, so BJ and Bjorn don't come home wading through plants and, and salt <laughs> everywhere. Um, is that like one salt lamp per room, per home, per floor? I think if you can have it in the rooms that you hang out in the most. So we have one in the lounge and one on the bedside table because and that, that's where, where you have them the most. And actually another quick thing would be no electrical equipment in the bedroom and if you are when you're in the bedroom all electrical plugs off because again they've been shown to just a bit of, you know, kind of wi-fi radiation all that kind of stuff so do yeah. what you can in your immediate environment and some people um, have these detectors that they go and test all the stuff you know you don't need to do that just go and switch off all the plugs and if you make the bedroom uh, you know a kind of you know electronic free zone anyway you actually get yeah. such you know going to bed becomes a relaxing experience you read you chill out you talk and yeah. actually get a nice sleep anyway so it's a kind of win-win yeah. on on that front as well yeah yeah 
cool. Okay, so all of those good things. I had actually one of the questions that I had from the time that we spoke before was actually any food groups ideas for a client with thyroid issues, which we've already spoken because now I have a thyroid issue. <laughs> necessarily. Well, one thing I will say is I didn't mention about the, the actual intervention is normally at least start with gluten and dairy free and coming off refined foods. That's a great start. Try some probiotic foods like kimchi, sauerkraut, kefir, that kind of stuff. So that's a, and that can take some people a good couple of months to get the hang of. Yeah, yeah. And I, when I say gluten and dairy free, I don't mean go for kind of processed foods that are gluten free, like a, you know, in that gluten free yeah. aisle at the supermarket. Gluten-free I mean, free aisle. when the original gluten free aisle is just the fruit and veg aisle, people, come on. <laughs> yeah, you just sweet potatoes, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, okay. but it's also worth trying to find out if she is, whoever asked the question, if it's an autoimmune thyroid condition or is it a conversion one? So the testing the antibodies is really important for that. Okay. Okay. So, oh, so just to get, getting tested and just getting actual results is, is key, 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 isn't it really? Just to take out, take out the guesswork. And then yeah. also, you know, interestingly, you were saying the kind of, you know, the, the, the average numbers for your doctor or your GP were different then from the numbers that you go by as a therapist. So, that, so, so your numbers were a lot smaller. So for, for a normal a result from a, a regular doctor I was kind of okay but actually for you I need to kind of you know keep in mind things and it makes me a little bit happy because frankly I wanted something to be out I didn't want <laughs> everything else to be normal I wanted something to work on you know <laughs> I, I, used to, I used to do some food intolerance testing and I stopped because we were trained on it and then the tests are really expensive and some clients had it and nothing came back and they were like damn like nothing you know and yeah. and really, I was I not to believe shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What a waste That's of money. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the gold standard is to actually just do an elimination diet anyway and, and record symptoms. So it's that's free. You don't have to pay any money for that. So, yeah. but yeah, so I know what you mean. You kind of sometimes want want something that you can go on and work on and, and figure out. Especially if you've got symptoms, it gives you a little bit of like, okay, yeah, this makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, I'm mindful of your time. I know you've got a client immediately after me. So just a couple of um, questions just to just to finish off. What do you wish people would do more of to take care of themselves? What one thing would be such a wonderful thing if more people did it? Oh, uh, what a tricky question. I suppose there's two things. One, Karis, one. No, I'm joking. Go with two. Go with two. <laughs> well, the first thing is, and what really transformed me in terms of my health overall is having a sense of purpose in, in life. So if you're in a, a dead-end job, if you're in the wrong relationship, if you're just kind of, sorry, that's Hamish, if you're just kind of uh, coasting and, you know, not growing, not developing, not challenging yourself, it's really destructive for your health. And it's you just turn yeah. to other things to get rewards. So you end up eating too much chocolate, drinking, whatever your thing is, yeah. you kind of you know, overtraining with mine, I've gone overtrained because it's like, well, I've got status in the gym, just, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's a big one for me. And I think as soon as I started learning and teaching, I don't even think twice about things that used to, I used to obsess over, like food and, and dieting and, and training and all that kind of stuff. And and the second thing I'd say is, is so the kind of interlinked really is now I have this massive appreciation for my body. Like I actually feel I owe it the biggest apology because mm-hmm. now I've educated myself, I understand that, all I did for about a good 30 years, I'd say, not 30, because I wasn't in control for the last 10. I couldn't say that's it. You know. um, my mum, to be fair, had a lot of liver and, and uh, made a lot of bone broth, not not because it was like a trend, but because that's what they did back then. Um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for about a good kind of 20 years, I'd say I was just constantly criticising my body and going, why doesn't it work? Why doesn't it look like that? Why can't I run like that fast? Why can't I do those things? But I never educated myself about what my yeah. body needed to do all that stuff. I just deprived it. I beat it up. I, I beat it up. I just yeah. nagged. And uh, and I, I really feel like the one thing that most, most of us need to do is go, you know, say sorry to our body, learn what it needs, just like you do with your car, just like you do with everything else that you ever own in your life that you need to operate. You learn what it needs. You learn how it works. You learn how it gets to be recharged and <laughs> fixed if it yeah. breaks down. Whereas yeah, we yeah. don't with our body and it's just a shame because we should work together and the saddest thing I ever heard, it was actually a, one of our members shared this, was a, um, a woman who was told she uh, was dying of cancer and she kind of was looking at her body and was like, I'm leaving this body and I've never liked it and I feel devastated. I've, I've had that relationship with my body and now we're going to yeah. part ways and I've just yeah. been 
horrible to it and I wish I could apologize because now more than ever I appreciate what a wonderful thing it was and and I did, I never I never respected it I didn't appreciate it and but it just yeah. really resonated we will do that a little yeah, bit yeah. don't we we'll kind of if you if you spoke to you if you spoke to BJ like you speak to yourself and your body yeah yeah, you were, yeah. You were older anymore basically would you <laughs> sometimes you yeah, you yeah. might be I think you'll be different but I, with a lot of women I say if you spoke to your partner now bugger no I agreed and I think that I think so many people just people are just and he's asking if we can have a muffin I made some muffins for Bjorn this morning Bjorn wasn't really feeling the muffin vibe of what I made they were like sweet potato and something else anyway Bjorn was like I'm not sure about these mummies but uh, BJ's eating them now and then what uh, so what did I ask you I asked you what you would like to see more of what would you like to see a lot less of in the fitness sphere and that's my last question or the wellness sphere oh fads like drives me crazy fads just yeah just just to cover it all i mean like you could list a million but supplement selling schemes diets you know just 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 a bit more like i was going to say something i want to see more of it's just a bit more honest honesty and integrity from people out there and stop up with the kind of narcissism and the you know what I mean it's just like it's me and showboating and then but no the fads really more than anything just stop yeah. trying to mislead people into the fact that there's a diet or a product or uh, a thing that's going to get them where they need to be because essentially it's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle and mindset that gets them where they need to be so yeah, yeah those, those <laughs> which that's a big, so many more five million a year anyways Karis, thank you so much, superstar. I think we were successfully live for the whole of that. I'm gonna listen back to it, just make sure we, our sound didn't go out and stuff like that, but I think we're all good. And then we, we've also spoke about doing some stuff together in the future, which we'll, we'll, we'll get going with as well at some stage when we can find two minutes in our, in our month. And we'll have a great week, my love. Thank you. And thank you so much for all of your brain. And then we'll be in touch soon. Thank you.